Welcome to Sports Tonight on this Monday. I'm sports producer Scott Pennyman here to, uh, let's look, tremendous weekend, tremendous opening weekend um, of the NFL, uh, just all the way around. So many uh, just things to talk about, so many things to discuss, right? I mean, certainly, certainly if you're a Falcons fan, you're pretty excited from what you saw yesterday. Falcons uh, took care of business. They really took care of business yesterday, beating the uh, Carolina Panthers uh, 24 to 10. And I guess a couple of different takeaways from that game, right? I mean, obviously, it doesn't matter what happened in the game. If you're a team, I'm not even going to say if you're a team like the Falcons. If you're any NFL team, it's just about getting a win. It's surviving events. The Falcons did that. Um, boy, did the acquisition of Jesse Bates pay off right from the start. I mean, get a couple INTs yesterday. Um, just the impact he brought to that defense from day one. It was pretty much everything is advertising. Look, I covered Jesse Bates for a couple years. I covered the AFC North, covering the Cleveland Browns for some years. So I was very familiar with what Jesse Bates brings to the table as a safety. I mean, the guy's a winner. He was with the Bengals. They played in the Super Bowl. They played in the AFC Championship game last year. He's used to winning football. He brings a winning mentality to the football team. He brings a winning mentality to the defense. And we all saw that effect yesterday, just his impact as a leader, um, not just on the field, because obviously he had an impact on the field, getting a couple interceptions, but just his impact just all around Um as a leader and you can see it you can really see it from just covering the team all the way through training camp you can sort of see what he brought to the table um as far as he's a very cerebral player um he's a veteran who's been there and done that and so i could have told you from day one what he was going to bring to the table uh not just from a football standpoint standpoint but from a locker room standpoint just a tremendous effort by him excellent effort by the defense and one thing I kind of knew when we when I was on here last week and I did my predictions I predicted the Falcons would win this game because I knew that they were going against a rookie quarterback Bryce Young uh look like there's something there for him I think he's gonna be okay I mean it was his first NFL game uh, look there were several rookie quarterbacks that took the field yesterday and all of them had their struggles at different times uh so Bryce Young was no different uh just kind of with his interceptions there you could tell he was a rookie he made some rookie mistakes look those windows are different I know he played in the SEC uh, the SEC is the biggest conference in college football it's the most competitive conference in college football but it ain't the NFL and I think Bryce Young found that out yesterday but I think he's gonna be okay I think he's a good young player I think Carolina definitely has something uh, in Bryce Young but you know you got to remember you know, National Football League, man, those windows are so tight. Those windows are so tight. And he found it out with his couple interceptions, and the, the defensive players are so smart. The windows are so small. So he's going to be okay. But I think looking at this from a Falcon standpoint, um, you got to be really happy with what you saw on the defensive side of the ball, right, because uh, they got turnovers. They came up with stops. Now, what's that going to look like against a more experienced team, you know, when you're not playing against a rookie quarterback? We'll see. So I'll just sort of pause a little bit uh, as far as um, giving them too much praise. But a win's a win. They came out there. They did what I expected. They got a win in week one. So they move on. And, boy, look, if yesterday's game was any indication on what B. John Robinson is going to be for this football team, look, Falcons fans, you are in for a treat just because – he 
that touchdown he had, man, it was it was just really just the way he sort of in, just in the open field was able to you know maneuver and, and you could just see he's he's a big guy too. I mean, he's about he goes about 215, 220 pounds, really big, really shifty in the open field. I talked about in preseason. I said when you see Bijan Robinson use, think about how the New Orleans Saints use Reggie Bush. Um, I had a feeling that was kind of. A bigger Reggie Bush, though. A bigger, stronger Reggie Bush who's better between the tackles. Um, I even heard, I was watching ESPN this morning, and I heard, even heard him compare to LaDainian Tomlinson. Now, I'm not going to go that far. LaDainian Tomlinson is one of the great backs to ever play this game. So I'm not going to call a player after his first NFL game LaDainian Tomlinson. But I think when you look at his attributes, when you look at what he can do uh, just from – a running the ball standpoint, when you look at what he can do in a passing game, I just think you just saw just a sample yesterday of what he's going to be uh, for the for the football team for a long time, right? He's he's the ultimate weapon, and that's a really good one-two punch they have because when when they drafted Bijan Robinson, folks were all around were like, "Well, I wonder what that means for Tyler Algier." Didn't mean to think for Tyler Algier. I don't think his role is going to change much at all. As you saw, he's going to be the guy plugging between the tackles. Got a couple touchdowns yesterday. He still has a very valuable spot on this football team because I don't think Bijan is the kind of guy that you want to wear down by letting him run between the tackles for 15, 20 times a game. That's Tyler Algier's job. I think what Bijan Robinson is going to be is kind of what you saw yesterday. A weapon in this offense. A guy who you're going to be able to get the ball to in a variety of different ways. And he's going to be able to beat up a defense in a variety of different ways. So stay tuned. Stay tuned for uh, more and more of what Bijan is going to be for the Falcons. And, in it, and around the league, they were really, just nationally, a lot of people were really impressed by what they saw from Bijan. Uh but it's about what we expected. I mean, preseason, a lot of people thought he'd be rookie of the year sort of material. And I think if what you saw yesterday is any indication, I think a lot of those things were pretty accurate. I think uh, Bijan is going to be right there in the running for rookie of the year. Now, I'm not going to say this is the bad, right? Um, but maybe more in-depth thoughts. So obviously coming into the game, coming to the season, the biggest part of the Falcons' success, you knew, would rest on the shoulders of Desmond Ritter and his development and kind of what he was going to be, what he's going to be as an NFL quarterback. So I think some of the frustration, like just in kind of watching him uh, yesterday, well, not a lot of frustration. Look, I mean, he was very accurate with the football. He's 15 of 18 from uh, you know, throwing the ball, 115 yards and one touchdown. I just really have yet to see Desmond Ritter, right? So, and I thought about this as I was watching them in training camp, as I saw them kind of using him in training camp and how they were using him. At some point, I just want to see Desmond Ritter just get back there and rip it, right? Right now, when you watch Desmond Ritter, there's a lot of check down throws. There's a lot of underneath passes. There's a lot of dump offs. There's a lot of, most of his passes take seem to take place in that five to 10 yard window, right? And I think that's okay, except I don't think any offense, if you're going to throw checkdowns the majority of, of the game, if you're going to basically operate with a short passing game, I just don't know how you're going to get the maximum production from some of the weapons you have around you on the offense, right? I mean, you have Kyle Pitts, who people are projecting to have a 
huge year at the tight end position in his third NFL season. You got Drake London on the outside. I don't even think he had a target yesterday, right? I mean, so, uh, and then you have B. John Robinson, who also catches the ball out the backfield. So, I think Desmond Ritter would be fine. I just want to see more of him getting the ball, pushing the ball downfield. I want to see him open up the offense a lot more because I just don't know how this offense gets to where it needs to be if it seems like they're scared to take the kid gloves off Desmond Ritter. And and just from watching the game yesterday, from a lot of I heard the boos and everything in different situations, they don't really seem willing to let Desmond Ritter really just take chances downfield. It seems like they're using him a lot like uh, Coach Arthur Smith used Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, which is basically don't go out and lose the game, take care of the football, get the ball to your weapons, get it in their hands, and then we'll see what happens. I think that's a good strategy for now, but I just feel like if the Falcons are going to get to where they need to be as a football team, if their offense is going to get to that next level, I think at some point you have to be willing to let Desmond Ritter push that ball downfield and, and really get some of these receivers involved because it's going to be a really frustrating season for guys like Drake London, for guys like Kyle Pitts, if they're not able to make big plays. And I think you do that with a quarterback who's just at some point, man, just let him rip it. I mean, that that's what you – when you look at any NFL team, you, look, there's a saying that they say scared money don't make no money, right? That's what that means. If you're scared to let a quarterback be himself, if you're scared to let a quarterback rip it downfield, take some chances, make some big throws, right? And I mean, that's part of being an NFL quarterback. Part of being an NFL quarterback is third and eight, third and nine, third and ten. Can I put the ball in your hands and trust you to push it downfield and make a throw like that in traffic, thread a needle, uh, you know, for to a guy like Drake London, to a guy like Kyle Pitts downfield for big completions, right? Kyle Pitts, two catches, 44 yards. He had a big one, you know, but that's that's not good enough, right? I mean, I just feel like guys like Kyle Pitts and, and, and Drake London each need to see about seven to ten targets a game, right? I mean, this team needs to be throwing the ball 35, 40 times a game, and that's fine if they, if they don't think the Ritter's the kind of guy that can do that right now because he is pretty young. It was only his fifth NFL start, so I understand that, and maybe he'll progress to being that type of quarterback where you can put the ball in his hands and you can trust him to go downfield more. I just feel like unless he becomes that, this offense will never, ever reach their full potential. That's all I'm saying. Um, but so far, so good. Right. Look, a win's a win. Like I said, I started this by saying that, and I continue to say a win's a win. It, you still win a game. And, and you won 24 to 10, right? Um, but you just wonder throughout the season, you know, as you continue to get to the next games and everything like that, what the offense is going to look like. Are they going to let Ritter go downfield more? And, and, and will this offense be able to reach its full potential? Because you're not going to just allow 10 points in every game. Look, I mean, it's the NFL. Look, I mean, the teams are going to score points on you. You're not going to face a rookie quarterback every week. You're not going to hold teams to 10 points every week. And at some point, you're going to have to push that ball down the field. And, and, and we're going to have to really see whether Desmond Ritter could be that guy. Um, so just... Around the league, look, a lot to talk about. Great week one. Week ones are normally a lot to talk about. A um, couple of things caught my eye in, in week one. Um, obviously, I've always got my eyes on the AFC North because I covered that division. Uh, obviously, uh, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, so my Cleveland Browns definitely took care of business yesterday against the Bengals. Very surprising. Held Joe Burrow to under 100 yards passing. 
Uh, that was surprising. I mean, but not surprising to an extent because the Browns normally play very well against the Bengals. Uh, I think they're five and one now against Joe Burrow, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I mean, that wasn't so surprising. But Pittsburgh got drilled yesterday uh, by the by the. Uh, by the 49ers, right? I mean, there's nothing to be ashamed of. The 49ers are a great team. They're going to be there, but they beat up on the Steelers yesterday, 30-7. to And there was just some controversy today that – well, that, let me say that he denied, but it kind of was making the rounds across social media today that wide receiver George Pickens, who played at UGA, uh, it kind of made the rounds that he might have liked a comment on social media – that was basically taking a shot at their quarterback, at second-year quarterback Kenny Pickett, who struggled yesterday. Um, it said something to the effect of, look, if only this is a picture of George Pickens, and it said something like, if only this man had a quarterback that could get him the ball. And it was kind of thought <laughs> by people on social media that uh, George Pickens liked that post. And so, obviously, that would create a big-time social media firestorm. Obviously, if he did that, that would create a firestorm in that locker room. But Pickens came out today and denied it. He denied he had any parts of it, whatever. But, I mean, let's be real. The post is right, and just in my personal opinion. I mean, George Pickens is an outstanding receiver. A lot of people think he could be as good as anybody in the NFL. And it's really a shame in that offense. They can't – well, Kenny Pickett just hasn't – he hasn't been it so far, right? I mean, he hasn't been – uh, the kind of quarterback that the Steelers need uh, to compete in that division in, in the AFC. They have a lot of things going good around the quarterback. They have uh, Najee Harris in the backfield who played at Alabama. They have George Pickens who played at UGA wide receiver. They have a, uh, a lot of good weapons around the quarterback, but they really uh, they don't have that that quarterback play yet. You know, so look, frustrations boil, man. This is week one of the NFL season, so frustrations are going to boil and look we got we we got 16 more weeks in this season so uh, a lot lot of a uh, lot of interesting things to sort of look at from uh from yesterday's games uh things that really just kind of caught my eye most of the rookie quarterbacks struggled as you would expect cj stroud played against a ravens defense that was at his throat all day uh that was uh to be expected uh but not a bad game though when you Look at the people around CJ when you look at uh, his coaching staff. They were pretty uh, – a lot of his teammates and his uh, coaches were pretty satisfied with how he played yesterday. Now, they got <laughs> they got kicked in the stomach pretty bad by the Ravens yesterday, 25-9. But when you look at CJ Stroud, look, 28 for 44, 242. And I did watch some of that game. Look, he played about as good as you would expect any young quarterback to play against – a, a, a vicious Ravens defense. The Ravens are going to be the Ravens no matter who's wearing that that uniform. Uh, they locked up Roquan Smith. They traded for him late last year. He's kind of become the centerpiece of that defense, former UGA dog. Um, he's really become the centerpiece of that defense. It's a vicious defense. The Ravens are going to be the Ravens no matter who wears that uniform. They have a brand. They have a uh, an identity uh, of their franchise, of their defense, what they want their defense to be. And when you face the Ravens, you already know you're going to face a lot of pressure all day. That's what they do. And that's what C.J. Stroud faced. But, look, he he held up okay. Uh, they didn't put up a lot of points on the board. But, you know, as a rookie, he played about as well as you could have possibly expected. Um, another rookie yesterday that I, I caught some of this game too, which was uh, Anthony Richardson, who uh, played at University of Florida. 
I, I thought he looked pretty good yesterday. And watching that game against Jacksonville, they lost 31-21. But when you watch Richardson, when you watch Anthony Richardson play, I think they might have something there because they have a head coach who came from the Eagles last year. So I think he has a really good idea of what he wants um of what he wants to do on offense. So uh I think that how they used him, I think I think he's gonna have a pretty good season there. I think he's exactly the kind of quarterback that that team needs. Kind of reminded me of a young Donovan McNabb, but he's big and strong. I saw him run for a touchdown. He threw a touchdown pass. He threw some darts in that game. I think the Colts have something. I mean, I know it. You know, he really uh, in the combine, he really just that's where he kind of blew up, right? Because you know he had a limited amount of starts at the University of Florida. But I thought he. I watched a lot of that game yesterday. I thought he played really well. I about again, he played as about as well as you could expect a rookie to play in his first NFL game. Um, but I think they got something there. I, I think they have something there in, in the long term. Now tonight, probably one of the more exciting games of the week. You got the Jets and the Bills, Monday night football. Uh, Aaron Rodgers debut with the Jets. So obviously that's something to be excited about. So we'll see how that goes uh, tonight. And I'm sure uh, NFL fans will be excited that they have more NFL football to watch tonight. So before I get out of here, I want to talk about something that I know a lot of UGA fans are going to love. Alabama losing, right? That's always a great thing uh, for, I guess, not just UGA fans, but it's always good to see Alabama lose, right? I mean, they've, they were so good for so long, and they they got really just, you know, watching that game against Texas, man. And it was it was really – um. Texas was in control of pretty much that whole game, you know, and it's not, it just really kind of got me to thinking like, is Alabama, is this it for them? I mean, like, I think what that loss for Alabama did the other night against Texas was to me, it really just confirmed a couple of different things, right? It confirmed that UGA is probably, UGA has, i Truly believe that was the moment right there. If it wasn't just the last two national championships that they won, I truly believe UGA now is pretty, they're that team. They're that team in college football. They're it, you know. Um, I think Alabama with losing the other day, it's, it's becoming a recurring theme now for Alabama, losing these regular season games now, getting beat up by Texas the other night. And I think, I think the reign is over. I, I think the reign of Nick Saban in Alabama, I think now last night, um, well, not last night, but, um, Watching that game Saturday night against Texas just kind of really confirmed to me that I think I think Saban has lost his juice a little bit with Alabama. I'm not going to say that he's fallen behind the times or doesn't hasn't really kept up with college football, but I just think things have started to level out some for, uh, for them now, and they just don't just when you look at them play, especially at the quarterback position, watching Milrow play and watching him kind of struggle. I think he's got some potential, but. Uh, he made some good throws, but he's not quite there yet. I think when you watch Alabama play and where they're at right now, I think it's very easy to see that they're not that dominant team they were four, five, six years ago. And what they've been a lot under the Saban era, I think UGA is that team now. I think UGA has become the new version of Alabama. 
and, and just watching Alabama on Saturday, it just didn't seem like you were watching Alabama play. It didn't seem like you were watching one of the dominant uh, college football teams play. And this is what Alabama's been for the last couple of years now, for whatever reason. I don't know if Saban's kind of wearing down a little bit. I don't know if teams are just kind of caught up with them as far as athletes and talent. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, Alabama ain't the same. That's not the same Alabama Crimson Tide team that used to dominate. I think UGA has become that team. And I think it probably all goes down from here for Alabama. Look, Saban's getting up there, man. I mean, it was about time somebody stepped up to them and stepped up to him. And and uh, teams don't and, – and, and for me, that's the biggest thing. I don't think they have that aura anymore. Like when teams would play Alabama, especially when they were going into Alabama, there was just a healthy fear that teams had of them. I mean, you knew you weren't going to win. The crowd was going to be crazy. Uh, They had just tremendous players on both sides of the ball. You knew you were going to be in for a long day. And when I saw from Texas the other day, when they went there with Quinn Ewers and that offense and that defense, I saw a team that didn't look like they feared Alabama at all. I mean, they came in there looking like they owned that game from start to finish. That was the kind of swagger attitude they came into that game with and that's not what you used to see from opponents playing against Alabama so uh, look I think they're going in the wrong direction but that's good for UGA right because that means that opens the when you look around the SEC it's been a lot of losses this year man a lot of losses to non-SEC opponents I think what four or five teams now LSU has lost to non-SEC opponent Alabama's lost to a non-SEC opponent South Carolina lost to a non-SEC opponent Texas A&M lost the other night yeah I mean it's been it's been a lot of losses man you know so um, to me, the door is wide open for UGA to win their third straight national championship. I think it's right there for them. I think when you look at how they're playing on both sides of the ball, I think you're seeing same old UGA uh, with some new guys, but it's the same. Look, the team looks just as good as they did last year and just as good as they did the year before. So that door is open, and I think I think they are going to win three straight national championships. Uh, so what's on my mind here? Just real quick. Um, so supposedly, you know, if you kind of go through social media and, and different, not just social media. I mean, I saw this on CBS. It appears LeBron James is really sort of just gearing up to take Team USA on, on one more one more big run before he's all done. Uh, the 2024 Olympic team. Apparently, LeBron's been in contact with a lot of his guys around the league. He's trying to establish this super team to go play in the Olympics next year. He's hit up Steph. He's hit up Draymond. He's hit up KD. He's hit up Devin Booker. He's trying to pull in uh, just, just all kind of guys, just the best of the best, basically uh, it'll be this version of the dream team. So we'll see if it all, Anthony Davis, that's been another guy. So we'll see if it all works out. I hope it all works out because I think as fans, we want to see that. We want to see all these guys back out there and, uh, probably for like LeBron's last run because you, you figure he'll play this year. That'll be at the end of this year. Maybe he'll have like another season left and that'll be it. So look, for fans, for everybody across the world, that would be something to truly look, look forward to if we could see, uh, uh, a dream team 2024 version with Steph Curry, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, uh, Devin Booker, Dame Lillard. Look, I'm here for it. I mean, I don't really look. Olympic basketball is kind of blotting me sometimes. But if those guys are all on the same court together, I'm in. I can't wait to see it. So let's hope that happens. Let's hope LeBron is able to bring uh, all those guys together for probably his final run, you know. So I think that'd be good for him. That'd be good to see. And I think that's more motivation for other guys to get involved too, knowing that's probably, you know, going to be, might be the end for LeBron there. Who knows how this season goes? Who knows how much longer he's going to play? But I think that'd be a cool motivation. I think a lot of guys who sort of idolize him around around the NBA 
Um, I think that's maybe their motivation to maybe want to go play with LeBron for his last run um, in 2024. So let's hope they get that together. That'd be a treat for all of us fans. So, hey, before we get out of here, let me tell you to listen to the Sports Tonight podcast, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast is at. Um, you know, Spotify, Apple, wherever you want to listen to it, even on YouTube. Check us out. Um, the Sports Tonight podcast. Just go to ANF uh, Atlanta News First Plus Sports Tonight. Check us out. Look, I know a lot of you guys work a lot of different crazy hours of the day, whether it be late at night, early in the morning. It don't matter. Just download us, listen to us, and uh, we'll be, uh, you know, this is one of the more unique shows in the Atlanta area. So check us out. Uh, hey, it's been real on a Monday here. Um, once again, I'm sports producer Scott Pennyman for Sports Tonight. Check us out for the rest of the week. Uh, we're going to have a lot more to talk about. It's football in full swing. Let's do it. See you.